written in the 8th chapter of John, beginning at the 31st verse. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the word of the Lord. Have you ever been called for jury duty? Most of us greet that summons to show up with mixed feelings. Last year, I received that dreaded letter in the mail telling me I needed to report for the jury pool. You probably guess my immediate reaction was, I can't do this. I don't have time to do this. Despite my reluctance, I've always found jury duty to be fascinating. Just sitting through the selection process is an education. When the news reports on a particularly awful case in the court system, do you wonder about the people on the jury? I do. I think about the things they must see and hear. They must make hard decisions based on the evidence presented. 11 of the 50 states have the death penalty. New Mexico is not one of them. If a person's found guilty of a heinous crime, in those states a decision comes before those jurors. Should this person receive a death sentence or a life sentence? Today we talk about life and death. Our topic is law and gospel. One's a death sentence. The other is a life sentence. Sorting out the distinctions between law and gospel helps us to grasp God's plan for us as it's written in scripture. When we understand the relationship between law and gospel, God's expectations and promises are made clear. Here's an artwork from the time of the Reformation which was designed to make the distinction between law and gospel very clear. Law brings death. Gospel brings life. In consultation with his good friend Martin Luther, the artist Lucas Cranach created this lesson in paint. It was immensely popular in its time and reproduced in various versions. In fact, it's been called the most influential image of the Reformation. Here's a question for you. What do we call a thought, word, or deed that goes against God's law? Sin. Law provides order and boundaries and discipline. Whenever we go against that, it's sin. When we look at the law, our sins are apparent. And we also get the full picture on how we are to think and act in accordance with God's plan for our lives. 
The law in the Bible tells us how our walk in faith should go, but it's our belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ that assures our salvation. In the image, there's a tree, which is a critical dividing point at the center of the painting. Do you see it? On the left of the tree is law, and on the right is gospel. Please note that the left side of the tree, the law side, is nothing but dead limbs. In contrast, the right and gospel side of the tree is full of life, and for that you can read eternal life. On both sides of the tree, there's a naked man. Do you see him? In both cases, he represents humankind. Or in another sense, he's the stand-in for you. The rest of the painting details what the law gets you and what the gospel provides. So let's look at some of the details on the law side, the left side first and find out what the law gets you. God's law is instruction. It consists of all the do this and don't do that sayings in the Bible. Do you see the group of guys on the lower right? They're holding tablets representing the Ten Commandments, which are the best-known examples of the law in the Bible. They're examples of law in both old and New Testaments. Here's an example from the New Testament. Matthew 5.44, Jesus says, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's both clear and difficult. If the directions were to ignore your enemies or don't do evil against your enemies, we might be able to handle that. But love them? Really? Really? We have no chance of keeping God's law perfectly, however much we try. It's a good thing there's more to the Bible than law. If law were all that was written, we'd all be lost and condemned to a death sentence, eternity in hell. Do you see the skeletal figure poking you with a sharp spear? He represents death. And he's being egged on by the hideous ogre next to him, representing Satan. You're being prodded to the hellfires, to the far left. That's what your sin under the law has earned you. To make the point clearer, the first sin of Adam and Eve is pictured above. Once we've learned of God's expectations in the law, then we are so ready for the gospel. So let's go to the other side of the painting now. Gospel is the good news that all our sins are forgiven because of our faith in Jesus and his sacrificial death on the cross. Do you see the lamb in the lower right? It stands on the defeated enemies of death and Satan. You can just pick out their dim carcasses there. Standing above this victory is the crucifixion with the resurrected Christ in a great golden glow above. The empty tomb in the background proclaims the resurrection. John the Baptist is pointing you to the promise that's held in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Your hands are folded as you submit to the mercy of God. 
It's all grace. You've done nothing to deserve the eternal life in heaven that's given to you. When we repent in faith and ask for forgiveness, we receive this undeserved blessing. The gospel's not about what we must do, but what God has done. He makes promises in scripture, promises of blessings. Out of God's grace, which is his undeserved love, we're given his best gifts, faith, forgiveness, and eternal life with him. So, law provides the framework for understanding what sin is, and when we clearly see that we sin, then we recognize our need for the gospel, the good news of Christ. Some people imagine the Old Testament is about law, and the New Testament is about the gospel, but that's not the case. There is law throughout the whole Bible. And the same is true for the gospel. It's found throughout Scripture. If you had previously heard that law is confined to the Old Testament, let me show you otherwise. Here are the words of Jesus from the New Testament. is definitely law, just like the example I gave a minute ago. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Jesus states clearly here how we're to behave. These are instructions on how to conduct ourselves. This is law. Now here's some gospel in the Old Testament. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. It's all about the love of God and what he gives us. It's a pure gift. This is gospel. Keeping this distinction between law and gospel is vital. The gospel saves. The law condemns. Because we know the love and salvation given to us by God in the gospel, we naturally want to do good works and follow the law. Even though we can't do it perfectly, we aim to try. We want to follow God's will for our lives as we walk in faith. Let's think about your walk in faith picturing a road. Here's a road with ditches on both sides. You want to stay on this narrow path and avoid the ditches. Understanding the purpose and meaning of law and gospel helps keep you on the path, but twist either the use of law or gospel, and you end up in the ditch. The gospel is our salvation, but it can be perverted. If you say, I believe in Jesus, but then live as if you don't, saying it doesn't matter how you live, you are sliding off into the ditch. This is the heresy of antinomianism. Martin Luther actually coined that term, but it's a heresy that's been around a long time. A heresy is a teaching that goes against traditional Christianity. Antinomianism, or as it's sometimes called cheap grace, advocates for abandoning the law. The idea is Jesus paid the price for our sins so we can live just as lawlessly as we please. This is all gospel and no law, and it's clearly wrong. It ignores the importance and power of the law. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, 
You also accept him as Lord of your life. He rules your life. And your actions demonstrate this. If you fail to do so, you are not a faithful believer. So, if you let gospel wipe away law, you deny that faith must be reflected in the Christian life. So, what is the right understanding? While we do nothing to contribute to our salvation, which is given in the gospel, we do experience it. We definitely join the living, acting, and powerful experience of faith in our lives. Now, law can slip off the road in the other ditch. Law alone, without benefit of the gospel, is heresy too. This heresy is often called legalism. The idea here is that a person keeps the law perfectly and earns salvation as a result. Legalism smacks of self-righteousness. Some Christians are mighty proud of their good works. And they imagine that these works contribute to their salvation. Legalism's the way Santa Claus works. All that, going to find out who's naughty and nice stuff. The naughty get punished with coal. The nice earn their presence. It's pure legalism. Fortunately, this is not what we depend on for our salvation. Our good works, according to the law, are not some treasury of merits piled up to our credit. We're utterly incapable of earning salvation. Our salvation is the result of the gospel, and the gospel alone. So let's put law back up on the narrow path with gospel again. We're never righteous on our own. Righteousness is about always being right. Always keeping the law flawlessly. We cannot do it. But Christ, who is without sin, gives us his perfection in the gospel. He gives it. We don't earn it. If we dance on this path, it's not with pridefulness, but with gratitude, faith, forgiveness, and eternal life are gifts. We do nothing to deserve them. We worship the Almighty God, the giver of life, now and eternally. Amen.